Shirts Radio. And welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm your host, Russell Harmon. Joining me this week is one of the members of the top line, Mr. John Luke Shapiro. Kevin Krupe is out this week because he is attending the Rangers and Golden Knights game while we record. I hope he's having a good time, but, you know, with that first period, I don't know how much of a good time a lot of us are having. Well, by the but, time we're done recording this, we're not going to know the end of the score, so Kevin, <laughs> Kevin in his highfalutin way is going to MSG all the time. You get on me about it, but, uh, you know, he's always at MSG, so, yeah, Kevin, <laughs> yeah. So let, let's hope that uh, Kev leaves a little happier than most Rangers fans are right now. So welcome back, everyone. Hope you all had a nice and restful Thanksgiving. Hope you had some great time with family and friends, and you all ate your weight in turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce, because I certainly know that I did. Do you even JL, have to ask? I am going to ask. <laughs> how was your Thanksgiving, buddy? My Thanksgiving was great. It was the Rangers were able to give us something to be thankful about against uh, Carolina the day before, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it was just, uh, you know, it was good. I ate, Like I said, he ate my weight in food, watched some Christmas movies, and just thought about the Rangers the whole time because I am a huge loser. So. No, dude. Christmas movies are great. <laughs> we all know Christmas movies are great. Like, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All oh, the Way. Oh, greatest movie so. ever. Absolutely. It's turbo time. If you haven't seen that movie, please. And remember, on you're it. my number one customer. <laughs> I love that movie. So, let's get right into the New York Rangers. Uh, since we last spoke to you guys, a lot has happened. Uh, we are talking about a 4-1 win over the Washington Capitals, a 4-1 loss to the Ottawa Senators, a 6-5 win against the Montreal Canadiens, which was one of my favorite wins all season. Oh, yeah, that was A 3-2 win over the Minnesota Wild, which was another amazing win with a Tony D dagger right at the mm-hmm. end. That was A fun. 3-2 win over the Carolina Hurricanes, another awesome game, which JL alluded to. A uh, 3-2 loss to the Bruins in OT, which that game stung because they had it. They played well uh, that game, though. Can't blame them for that. Absolutely, they did. And a 4-0 loss. A 4-0. Wow, I'm sorry. A 4-0 win against those dastardly devils yeah, uh, from New Jersey. Love to see it. Love to see it, my friend. So, yeah. with all of their recent play, JL, the Rangers are only three points out of a wild card spot. They have 29. The Pittsburgh Penguins currently have 32. They're apparently surprising a lot of people this year. I mean, look, we didn't think they'd be this close this late. You know, I guess late, if you want to say, in the season. Would you call uh, it late? I think late is uh, probably, what, at the end of February? Maybe end of January, maybe, I would say. that's Maybe late's not what I'm looking for. It's maybe still, like, It's still early. I mean, it's, it's only still fairly months. early. That's true. So. But a lot of people say you know who your team is by American Thanksgiving. That's the line that they give a no, lot of people. No, that's not a bad comparison. I, I, can, I can see that. That definitely tends to make sense. So, three points out. A bunch of big wins. The game against the Caps was a big win. The game against Canadians was probably their best win all year. The game against the Wild, winning an OT, beating the Hurricanes. I mean, they've done some really impressive stuff recently. I mean, shutting out the Devils was a great win, too. Mm -hmm. 
what is fueling them, JL, right now? What is real? What is the key cog in this machine that's kind of propelling the Rangers to make some people say, "Wow, maybe they really will make this run to wild card." I think they're they're just they're clicking. That's all it is. Everyone seems to be settled in. Everyone seems to just kind of buy into the system. I mean, you see it. I see it. You know, they've got reinforcements in Heedle and Strom and. There is Zibanejad coming back from his injury. Even before that, they were playing well with him out of the lineup, uh, you know. And I, I just, I just think that they're buying into the coaching system. Everyone seems to be on the same page, you know. The everyone's kind of settled in, with maybe the exception of the fourth line. But everyone seems to be settled in. Everyone seems to be going at it, and everyone just seems to be comfortable now. You know, they kind of got over that little hump. And 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 and, and I ask you this. Do you think the reason why they're playing so well is because they're playing the youth? Everyone was clamoring for that. Do you? Th- what do you think about that? Do you, I, I think it's the youth. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's the youth and Artemi Panarin. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get into Artemi Panarin a lot in this show. There's a lot to talk about the guy, but I think you're definitely right in saying that the youth is the reason they're playing well. I mean, Adam Fox is coming out of his shell recently. Tony D'Angelo is making everyone look like fools for saying that he was one of the expendable pieces on the blue line prior to the season starting. And Jacob Truba is seemingly hitting everything in sight now, and his game is starting to come along. Even Brady Shea, who, you know, he's still not technically an elder statesman. He's been around a while, but he's still young, has looked a lot better in recent games. Now, the the fact that the defense has so many young players that are starting to kind of gel and they're starting to kind of get it, um, you know, it's it's really great to see that, you know, they're kind of putting it together maybe a little earlier than, uh, than uh, people thought. And, JL, I know that you're a big Ryan Lindgren guy, so... Oh yes! Oh yeah! How, what have you thought of Mr. Lindgren's play over the past? I, few years? I kind of tie into all of this. So, I've I've thought Lindgren was uh, when they first traded for him. I, I got a chance to take a look at him. I read a scouting report, and I I thought it was somebody that could be decent, maybe third pair D and all that, but. Just watching him play, looking at the aggressiveness, looking at the the, the tenacity that he brings. Um, he's also just smart defensively. You know, he's just a good, solid two-way defenseman. And you know, people people will say, yeah, Adam Fox is you know carrying that line. But honestly, that's really not fair to Lindgren. Lindgren has really held his own on that pair, and Adam Fox has just been nothing but way better than we expected. You know, a lot of people were upset. And the summer when they bought out Kevin Shattenkirk, but I think the Rangers did that because they knew what they were getting at Adam Fox, and it's pretty ballsy to have, first of all, bought out Shattenkirk and all that dead cap, but I think that just also shows the talent level that not only Fox has, but also some of the other defensemen that they have, like a Lindgren, you know, who... You know, and I guess I'll mention it now. I figured we were going to allude to this later on, but I, I made it. Someone I had a conversation with someone on Twitter. I wouldn't call it an argument, but they didn't really just didn't really agree with me on it. And basically, I compared Ryan Lindgren to uh, having flashes of McDonough, and I'll tell you why. While we all know the general consensus is that Ryan McDonough is arguably probably a better stick handler than Ryan Lindgren, I will definitely say that. I have nothing against Ryan McDonough, but the flashes that Lindgren shows of McDonough are that he's poised with the puck. He's a great skater. Some people don't think he's not a good skater. I think he's a great skater. He's actually very fast. I actually think he's faster than what McDonough was, and McDonough was fast. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting McDonough by any means whatsoever. I remember McDonough coming up uh, uh, late in the season in 2011. 
scoring his first goal against the Devils was nobody knew he was going to be as good as he was. But Lindgren seems to have a little bit more of a push, and he's a good two-way defenseman, which is what McDonough was. He's a a proven leader in all the levels he's played in. It seems like he's starting to form his way here in the NHL, which is a good sign. And it's just the fact that he's just not bad. <laughs> you know, he's mobile. He's agile. He can he can move the puck around. His two-way game is eerily reminiscent of McDonough, and he has that poise. Maybe I'm wrong in the next couple of years or so, but just judging off of the eye test and also looking at the tools that he's had in previous leagues and now... I I I think it's uh I think it's a pretty decent comparison. No one's saying he is going to be McDonough, but let me ask you this: Who do you think in this whole um, youth movement, playing well with the wild card, out of all of the young guys, who do you think is the one that's really contributed to the to their success lately? All right, so I got two here, and I mentioned them before, but actually I got three. I'm going to give you three because. There's three guys that have really just been standing out. Number one, Philip Heedle. And Philip Heedle, since the call-up, is second on the Rangers in goals. He's doing most of his damage at even strength. And the kid just looks like the confidence is just oozing every single night. Absolutely. Like the moves he's pulling off in the offensive zone, the way he holds the puck, the way that we, you know, we've talked about this on the show before – how he how he's meshed with Chris Kreider, you know the way that he works with all of his like and Booch, who he's been working with recently before, you know, kind of KZB got put back together when Zabanajad got uh, all healed up. But fact of the matter is, Filipito looks like an entirely changed man. He looks like he is really ready to step into his role as a top six forward in the NHL and produce at a level that is required of someone with that responsibility. So my first guy is definitely Philip Heedle that is contributing to this run. Secondly, Adam Fox is blowing my mind recently. Oh, not just yours, everybody's. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's true. I mean, we knew going into the season that Adam Fox had skill. We knew coming out of Harvard he was going to have some really good moments for the team this year, and he was going to get some big minutes during a rebuilding season. But what we didn't expect was Adam Fox playing this well this early. And, yes, there were struggles a little earlier in the season, but now, and I'm going to point to one, you know, Pittsburgh game where him and Kako combined on that OT winner oh, a few weeks ago. So, it was so sick. So <laughs> sick and so silky. Oh and like even uh, I, I believe it was against the Devils, Kako threaded this pass, cross ice right to Fox, yep. slams the mm -hmm. puck through three sticks. Um, Blackwood. Yeah, it was you know Fox is just really he's reading the play well. He's jumping in when he needs to jump in. He's not sacrificing his defense, and it seems, and even his underlying numbers are some of the best on the entire team. Mm -hmm. And he's doing this all as a rookie in his first year out of the NCAA on a club that is surprisingly close to a wild card spot right now. My third guy that I really want to focus on here is Tony D'Angelo, and Tony D'Angelo has been making me eat crow all season because <laughs> earlier in the year. It, it, there, we had kind of like a tweet thing going on where, um, you know, with Forever Blue Shirts where uh, Ant asked everyone, you know, your opinions on Tony D'Angelo. I said he we could trade him when he was holding out. Like, he was the extra guy on this blue line. I thought Libor Hayek was ready to have a better season than him. I thought Ryan Lindgren could step in mm -hmm. and do, do have a play better than Tony D could. I thought Adam Fox was going to, you know, Jacob Truba down the line. I thought Tony D was going to be the expendable guy. Nope. But Tony D'Angelo has taken his role, and he has flourished. 
And look no further than the game against the Minnesota Wild where Tony D scored the dagger in overtime. That was a and very swagged it was a swag f- celebration. That was a very uh confident move on his part. First of all, Minnesota terrible defensive coverage there, but I mean, everyone knew he was good, Tony D, and everyone knew he could shoot the puck, and that was evidence of that. So I don't know what you were thinking early on in the season. We saw flashes of this last season, and now it's starting to manifest itself. So, you know, I mean, not bad. Not bad for someone who, you know, a lot of people didn't think might have a spot on the team this year. And he's really like, I I don't think anyone has truly stepped up as much as Tony D'Angelo has this year in terms of kind of embracing that skill that he has, embracing the high pedigree that he has. Because remember, he was a really high pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning when he was drafted, and he was one of the OHL's defensemen of the year at one point when he was in juniors. So the talent has always been there. And now it was always about him putting it together at the NHL level, and it seems like he's finally doing that. Well, that also comes with maturity, too, because we all know he had his off-ice incidents, but I think what ended up happening was they gave him a shot and they kind of, you can kind of tell that the Rangers put him into place because he didn't work out in Tampa and he didn't work out in Arizona. So the Rangers saw something in him that they could work with. And the Rangers are very good at putting people in their place, especially when it comes to young players. And it's definitely paying off with D'Angelo right now. Now, Jail, who do you think, who's a young guy that you'd like to key in, young guy or young guys that you'd like to key in on that have really been helping this team push toward the wildcard berth recently? Uh, you mentioned one, Adam Fox. I mean, we you know we can go on ad nauseum about his yeah. defensive impact and you know his his uh, slowly but surely uh, rise offensively. But you know, another one is Brett Howden, and a lot of people don't seem to want to touch on that. You know, I, I make this point every single time uh, we do a podcast or when we talk about players that the Rangers are trying to get the rain the teams. The successful ones, at least, always have a couple of guys in the system who will fill out those bottom six roles. You look at a guy like Asper Foss, it's a perfect example. So center being a very important position, uh, the Rangers hit a home run by having Brett Howden play, you know, pretty much as their third center, and he's done well, you know. And even when they didn't have Zabanajad, Howden was basically being the second line or third line center before Heedle came here and practically earning his chops. Some people say he may not have deserved it, but you know what? He's a very solid defensive player, and he definitely attributed to the uh, rise of Kako becoming more comfortable in the league. Everybody has to attribute that. Brendan Lemieux and Brett Howden were two of the big factors of Kako getting comfortable here. So now Kako's playing with more confidence because of those guys, and Brett Howden is definitely becoming one of those guys that the Rangers can rely on down the road when they ultimately become a contender. Now, I like your point about Brett Howden, and, you know, he does get a lot of flack. And, I mean, still, the underlying numbers are not there yet. But I will say this about Brett Howden. Um, I think that, like you saying, Jail, like you were alluding to, him and Lemieux getting Kako to kind of break out of his shell a little bit cannot be understated. Absolutely and not. That, and also, Howden's still young. You know, we're willing to give all these other young guys the leash. Why can't we give him the leash for? He's a th- he's going to be your third-line center. What more can you possibly ask for him? No one's asking Howden to score 60. He's doing his job. I don't understand the hate that he gets. It just boggles my mind. You're saying, well... 
I get it, but I think some of it is unwarranted, especially I would even say for myself earlier in the season. It's just people want to see these young kids do well. And I think a lot of them, a lot of people kind of get caught up in, you know, they're in the NHL. They must be good. They must be have it all together. But that's just not the case sometimes. Brett Howden's still very young. A lot of these kids, look, Kapokako is only 18 still. Like, everyone is going to get there. And I think in time, Brett Howden will figure it out. And he will be a very effective bottom six forward for this team as the rebuild continues. Well, success um, doesn't always equate in goal scored. I think people don't seem to understand that concept when it comes to evaluating hockey players, especially a fan base that hasn't really been used to this kind of rebuild, you know? Um, I was talking with someone, and they made a good point, and this isn't an attack on anyone, but it's just us as a collective fan base, we're not really used to this kind of uh, progress. You know, mo most Ranger fans who are Mets fans can understand what's going on, oh, you know, because yeah. a lot of Ranger fans are Yankees fans, and generally for most of their lives, at least the younger ones who are active on social media, are not used to seeing their team rebuilt because the Rangers have been good for the majority of their young lives. But Mets fans have seen their team be bad and actually rebuild and see the fruits of their labor when they do well, like in 2015. So that being said, you know, this is a learning process for not only for the team, but also for the fans as well, because, you know, it may be hard now. I mean, considering they're playing very well right now but you know they will have a t there will be a point in time where the rangers are going to be the team that everyone was afraid of and that'll become that'll come sooner rather than later just need to be patient you know everyone know brett everyone knew brett howland wasn't going to score 50 so the flack that he gets is unwarranted but they're all still young gotta cut him some slack a little bit here you know i like the point you make about how you know patience is definitely key and how soon within a few years the rangers will be the team to fear I mean, you just have to look at the pipeline, look at the defensive prospects that are coming up, and remember that one of our greatest weapons is in the KHL right now, getting his confidence back, getting another year of experience, and he will be back probably after the trade deadline. And oh, I'm absolutely. talking about Vitaly Kravtsov, of course, for those that don't know. But, you know, you have to say here, help is on the way. And we talk about this a lot. We've mentioned on a lot of shows that, you know, it, this is a process. And players like Brett Howden, guys like Tony D'Angelo, guys like Adam Fox, they're all going to develop, you know, in their own ways at their own time. But the key will be when the talent fully swells in about two to three years and Nils Lundqvist will be here, Keandre Miller will be here, uh, two more years of development for Kapokako, more Artemi Panarin, just fun every night. So <laughs> it's just going to take some time to fully reach that kind of like boil. But once it does, the Rangers will be that team to fear once again. Absolutely. And, you know... By the time those other young guys will come up, including Kratzov, the current young guys that are on this team will already have experience. But I guess to lead into, you mentioned his name, I guess to lead into the next point, you know, we've been fawning over Artemi Panarin, who's definitely be a, who's definitely been a, a big part of this, you know, stretch of Ranger successes. Tell me why, just, just MVP season, yes or no, do you think? I think that if the Rangers make either the first or second wild card and Artemi Panarin continues his pace he's on, I think he has to be in the MVP conversation. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. He has to be 100% because in the NHL in the month of December, there were only two players that scored more points than Artemi Panarin, and those two players were Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I don't think people are fully understanding just how 
good Artemi Panarin has been for the New York Rangers. The guy has nine multi-point games already this season, I believe. Something ridiculous Utterly like that. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah, and he's over a point per game. And last time I did a pace check, thanks to our 4B contributor, Jim, for this, he was on pace for a 114-point season. On a rebuilding team, with constantly changing line mates, the man is still managing to put to be on a pace for over 100 points. He's having a if very Yager-esque season. Yeah, he, this is feeling it. like 06, 07 Yager, almost. I mean, you look at the way he just... He play he plays the game very differently than most people that I've seen. He's so agile that he can just go from one side to the other without problem, and he's so good with his stick. I mean, I think there was one play we've we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it sticks out to me again. He had a play. I think they were I forget what game it was. I'm trying to remember, but he was coming back on a back check. And he just sped from one side to the other and just absolutely made a solid defensive play. But not only that, he he can he can move into the zone without problem. He's great at moving the puck around on the cycle. And when he needs to shoot the puck, he can just rifle it past someone. This is ar- this is arguably one of the more complete players that the Rangers have had in a very long time because he can do it all. He really can do it all. And, you know, we're not trying to puff someone's feathers up or anything like that, but the guy has the skill for it, you know? There's a reason why he was so sought after. You know, there was a reason why, uh, you know, the Islanders wanted him, the Avalanche wanted him, the Rangers wanted him, and the Rangers gave him the money that he wanted. You know, it's it's because he is a game-breaking player. And when you add Kako to Panarin, you're basically setting yourself up for your first line for the future because you know Panarin's going to be here even past his contract he just still might be here you know so the Rangers basically have their top scoring winger both in Kako and Panarin and then they have Zibanejad at center things are looking good and Panarin is definitely looking fantastic so Hmm. well I'll say this about our Tommy Panarin you know we've been promised in New York a bunch of times that we were getting the guy. I remember when Marion Gabrick signed, it was, okay, Marion Gabrick's the guy. When Brad Richards got signed, it was, okay, Brad Richards is going to be the guy. When the Rick Nash trade happened, okay, Rick Nash, we're getting the dominant 40-goal power forward, and he's going to be the guy. Artemi Panarin has done everything that I thought those three were going to do consistently when they were here. Now, Marion Gabrick had some two great 40-goal seasons for us. Rick Nash had his great 40-goal season. And Brad Richards, for all the flack that he gets, you know, he was a crucial figure in that run to the 2014 Stanley Cup Final and was basically the team's de facto captain. Oh, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what is Artemi Panarin doing that these former marquee additions haven't done? It's the fact that Artemi Panarin, every single night, is feared when he steps on that ice. And Sam and Joe kind of said it perfectly in the pregame that I was listening to before, is that the game plan for every team now is stop Artemi Panarin, stop Artemi Panarin, stop Artemi Panarin. Absolutely. And, yeah. and guess what? They cannot stop Artemi Panarin. And that is why you pay a guy $11.6 million a year to do what Artemi Panarin is doing right now. And that is basically carry the load for the squad while the young guys get up to speed. And you cannot ask more from a marquee free agent signing than you have from Artemi Panarin. The guy is smiling every night. The guy's celebrations are gift-worthy all the time with the kicks and the dancing and oh, the yeah. smiling and the, and the <laughs> hype. I, I don't think I've ever seen an athlete come to the New York Rangers 
I'll even go as far as saying the New York area, kind of like tied with our boy Pete Alonso, who's just so happy to be a new a New York player. And Artemi Panarin, every night, just seemingly, he's just stepping up to the plate and stepping up to the plate and doing it all with a smile on his face. You want to know what else, too, is he's a more complete player. And also, he has more reinforcements. That That's the key, if you think about it. Gabrick came here. Gabrick did it all by himself. And I'm sure you remember that. Gabrick did it all by himself. He, there were games where he would score all the goals and they would win 2-1. Or three, or three one, or three one, and then or you'd have Vinny Prospel. V- yeah, Vinny Prospel banking yeah. off a shot from Gabrick's <laughs> wrister, or or Ryan Callahan, or Sean Avery busting one in every so often. But you know, Gabrick, Gabrick was pro- outside of Yager. Maybe Gabrick is probably the closest, but Panarin is on a different level, and that that's what he drives the play while the others supplement it. That's what it that's is. Perfect. Panarin can drive the play. And the others supplemented. Like, Gabrick supplemented it, although he did carry. But, you know. And, and the same goes for Nash, too. So, But Panarin is on a different level than both those guys. I don't think people realized just how good Artemi Panarin was until he until his arrival in New York. And, I mean, he had four great seasons prior. The Blackhawks, he had great years playing Patrick Kane. And on the Blue Jackets, he had some great years playing with Atkinson and Dubois and those guys. But... Artemi Panarin, when he signed that deal, the immediate criticism was he's overpaid. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's what you get when everyone, yeah. whenever, whenever, when, when always. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. Whenever someone signs in New York, you get that same reaction. That's always, always the case. overpaid, overpaid. He's not going to live up to it. Not going to live up to it. And he has done nothing but live up to it since oh, he signed that contract. Nothing but he's done nothing but embrace the city, embrace this rebuild. He knows what it's going to take, and he wants to be a key figure in hopefully having a parade down the Canyon of Heroes sometime in the next few years. And I don't think I've ever fallen in love with a New York Rangers so fast or a new New York Rangers so fast and have with Artemi Panarin because you just can't help but love the guy. Oh, no, absolutely. You, that's, what you want in a, that's what you want in a player, someone who embraces not only the team but just the organization and the culture in general, you know, and that's what this team needs. They need a leader. And they might not have a captain, although, you know, Mika Zibanejad has seemingly taken on that de facto captain role. But Artemi Panarin has just been leading the way offensively, showing these kids what it's going to take to succeed, showing what it takes to take on that role of being a team leader. And, you know, Artemi Panarin, he's not even on the first line right now. He plays second line with Ryan Strom currently. Would you even call that a second line, though? I mean... I would say 1A, obviously, 1A, 1B. But point being, you know... He is taking on whatever roles needed from him. He's playing more on the power play. He's recently shifted to the other side, um, you know, on the power play to accommodate Mika Zibanejad coming back. And he, at every turn, he's just not slumping. He's pushing through. He's scoring big goals. He's Even when he's not scoring, passes. he's playing well. Absolutely, because he literally is the complete player that the Rangers have needed. And he is not the complete player in a sense that he's forgiving offense. But he's a complete player in the sense that when you need a game breaker or you need a big moment, Artemi Panarin has been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There he is. Absolutely. He's been there. And another guy that I think truly will benefit from this in the long run is Kapoka. Oh, no, of course, because he could just go off of his example and end up becoming the guy once Panarin ends up leaving or retiring or whatever. He'll be the guy to take over. Everyone's going to fall into place on their contracts so 
it's not like we're going to see one guy do well when another guy's not here. No, they're all going to be here at the same time. So that's the good part. The, the, the organization really set this up well. You know, a lot of people seem to have gotten on their case about some of the contracts, but you know what? They're in really good position right now, and Panarin seems to be leading that. And Kako is just going to take take charge. You can see he's starting to get some flashes of his true self already, and it's really nice to see. So, well, Kako recently got put with Panarin and um, and uh, Strom, if I believe correctly. Yes. I think he's playing on the line with them tonight against the Golden Knights, even. But, I mean, you want to see Kako play well, and you want him to get that confidence. And it seems like he's going through the ebbs and flows. Like, he has games where he looks pretty dominant. He has games where he's kind of taking a back seat. Well, that's expected but from I, a rookie. Yeah, that's he's still 18. an 18-year-old. Exactly. So. so, do you think, JL, do you think that we will see more consistency from Kako as the new year rolls around? Of course, because... Now he's gotten used to it. He's got on some of the road trips. He knows the team. He knows the NHL a little bit better. And although he may not light it up, you're definitely going to see him become more of a complete player. And I think that's ultimately what the Rangers want. They don't want him to be one-dimensional. They want him to take advantage of the skills and the tools that he has. And you'll see him get a lot more comfortable. You can already see it now. that He just seems to be more poised with the puck. He just seems more confident in the passes that he's making. And, you know, I was at, I was watching a game early on in the season when I visited, when I went to MSG, and he just seemed very tentative. He didn't really know what he was trying to do. But now, it just seems like he's a lot more comfortable in who he is and what he wants to do. And another big factor is that the coaching staff has confidence in him. You know, he had a bad game the other day. I forget whom it was against. But David Quinn made the conscious decision to put him, not only just to stop talking to him, as he, you know, said, um, just let him play his game and put him with the top-end guys. And that resulted in him having a breakout game. And I think it was uh, he ended up playing well against New Jersey, if I'm correct, if that, that around the time that this happened. So, you know, it, it may not come fully formed this season, but he's building on it. And you can see it. You can see it in his demeanor. You can see it in his play style. And I think by the time next year comes around, he might have a stretch where he's just going to be putting up, you know, a nice little point scoring streak. I mean, who knows? He's got the skill for it. So I think the best example to look at for what Capo Kaka would be able to do in year two is what Andrei Svechnikov is doing right now in Carolina. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And Andrei Svechnikov had a really good rookie season. Thank you. Had a really good rookie season. Uh, He was a 20-goal scorer. Um, You know, he wasn't playing top line consistently. He was bumped around the lineup a lot, but the talent was there and the flashes were there. And now Andrzej Vechnikov is over a point per game. He's been the talk of the NHL world after scoring the Michigan in-game against the Calgary Flames a few weeks ago, and his confidence is just booming out of him. So I think if we want a good comparison is, yeah, maybe Kako is only a 2020 player this year, and that's okay. He's an 18-year-old player in the NHL for the first time. But the important thing to note is that you know, even Andrei Svechnikov, who many people were saying could, you know, be like Ovi one day in terms of goal scoring ability. Well, maybe not up there, but you get my meaning, like yeah. top goal scorer in the league. Uh, you know, even he took a little while to adjust. And now the Hurricanes are seeing, uh, you know, what happens when a player like that is starts fully developing. So I think year two Kaka will be something really special to behold next year. You want to know who else is a player that was patient, or the, that the organization was patient with, that they ended up, it ended up actually helping them out? Pavel Buchnevich. Oh, oh, yes, because now Buch looks like a bona fide top six guy. Buchnevich is your prototypical second-line scoring winger, and that's basically what they drafted him to be, and he can also play on the first line with Zibanejad. 
He's your guy that can fit on both of those top two lines. So with Kako having a lot more skill, that's basically what you're getting. But he'll yeah. definitely be the first line guy. Like he'll be the guy. So no need to fret. It's gonna happen. Just judging by off what we see, it's gonna happen. Absolutely. And our final topic of the day, uh, Mika Zibanejad came back again in the game against the New Jersey Devils. Um, actually, no, he came back before that. He came back he? against wanna... the Carolina Hurricanes. He did come back against Hurricanes. Right before okay. Thanksgiving. So we got a nice little Thanksgiving treat with Mika Zibanejad's return to the lineup. Uh, JL, I know you love Mika just as much as I do. <laughs> so what have you liked seeing in Mika's return to the lineup so far? Nothing has changed. He doesn't seem tentative at all. And also, uh, big props to Adam Fox for helping him score his first uh, his first goal back. Oh, that yeah. A what a feed. pass, right? Yeah. What a pass, But, right? you know, from Mika's previous um, injury history with the Rangers, whenever he's come back on different occasions, whether it was a uh, concussion or whether it was the broken leg that he suffered in his first year as a Ranger, he was always a little tentative. He was always like – and I know I've used that word a lot here, but – um, he and, and he even said this himself. I think this was in an article uh, written. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was reading it this morning. I think it was from the Post, and it was basically saying that before Mika was a bit tentative coming back from those injuries, and the timeline was off. This and that and the fourth, but coming back now with David Quinn just throwing him into the wolves, he just went right back to the way he was playing. So it just is a testament to not only Mika's just play style, but it's also just the fact that he's fully embraced his role as one of the guys, and he's just absolutely lit it up. I just I love watching him skate down the ice, and even though the Rangers have won. While his while he was absent, it's always nice to see him back because then he just he brings more depth to the team and allows them to roll four complete lines. Say what you want about Michael Haley, but he you know for the time being he does serve a purpose. So you have a Howden centering that line, and Zabanajad takes one, Strom two, Heedle three. That's exactly what you want. So Mika makes this team better, and he's doing it so far. I think it's it needs to be noted that Mika Zibanejad has turned into a number one center in the NHL. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, he he's not a Tyler Sagan or he's not a Patrice Bergeron or he's not an Austin Matthews. And okay, you're right. He might not be quite at that super elite tier of player. But what I will say is this. Mika Zibanejad is a complete player. He's a 200-foot player. He knows his line mates. And you don't get you don't have a 70-plus point season like he did last year without being uh, the type of player, he, without having that type of skill that he has. But those, so compar- while- those comparisons are dumb, honestly. You can't, you can't compare one guy to another like that. You can say he's comparable, like how I did with Lindgren and McDonough. But Wayne Gretzky wasn't Gordie Howe, but Wayne Gretzky oh, was still good. Yeah. You know, Mario Lemieux wasn't Guy Lafleur, but he was still good. You know, you can compare them to them, of course. But Mika's his own player, and that's what makes him good, is the skill set that he can bring. Again, using the Lindgren and the McDonough comparison that I had. McDonough, or Lindgren is not going to be McDonough. Like, no, no defenseman can ever be the same person, but they can exhibit skill sets similar to those players. And exactly. Mika is not only his own player, but he also has skill sets similar to those guys like a Sagan and like a Matthews. You know, why not? Now, like JL's saying, you know, 
you don't want to always compare, 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 but you want to look for kind of guys that are kind of trending in the right way, if I'm getting his point, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... While Mika might not have the top, top, top end skill like those guys, he makes up for it in other areas. His defense is really good. He he makes sure he's a 200-foot player. He gets back. He plays top penalty kill. He plays in the power play. He plays in all situations. And he does everything you could ask from a number one center. And I think that Miko, you know, it's unfortunate he had the injury. But I still think we could see another 70-point season out of him. I think he easily could have was on pace for over 80 um, once if he, if he was completely healthy. And I think that as this rebuild goes on, I think you know, um, Mika is definitely is definitely a guy the Rangers can use as their number one center. And you know, I think you can look to a team like the St. Louis Blues, who you know they don't have the prototypical number one center. Uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's never know, been known as the guy with huge top end skill, but he's known as one of the hardest working players in the entire. The guy's league. also a monster on faceoffs. Yeah, he's a monster. <laughs> so I mean, when you combine. When you have a center core like the Blues had, let's say, you know, you have O'Reilly, Shen, and um, what's his name? There's another guy there. Uh, Bozak. That's your one, two, and three. You know, Ivan I feel like Barbashev. Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, <laughs> Ivan Barbashev, too. But, you know, if you want to compare the Rangers to that, Zabanajad, Heedle, uh, Strom, and hopefully one day Anderson when he puts it together, not bad. Not bad. And even Brett Howden, if he, if, when he puts all the tools together. Uh, if the Blues can rock a three like that and win the cup, I think the Rangers, once they all mature, I think those three or four will be pretty good down the middle at your center ice. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. And especially if, you know, we get a high pick this year and they add someone like an Anton Lundell or a Quentin Byfield, that changes the entire picture. But we've talked about that enough, and we can always cover that another time. <laughs> that'll come soon uh, enough. That'll come soon enough, I'm sure. So, JL, any last words for the listeners this week? Um. So we're recording this on the night that they're playing the Golden Knights, and as I say this, they are losing for for one. Um, yeah, it's probably a, an anomaly. Vegas is very good, so we're saying all these things with the full knowledge that they're losing. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, just don't hold us against it, please. So, but that's all I have to say for now. <laughs> yes, the Rangers aren't looking too good right now, but they've been trending in the right direction, and hopefully that's this what team, matters. That's what matters. And with a rebuilding team, that, like JL said, that is what matters. So let's uh, take a quick look at the week ahead. The Rangers have the Golden Knights currently. They will be playing the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday. They will be playing the Montreal Canadiens on Friday, and the Golden Knights again on Sunday, followed by the Los Angeles Kings on tuesday the 10th so guys thank you for joining us this week it's great to be back we'll be back to our weekly schedule um except maybe christmas week we might take a break again there for the holidays but we'll let you guys know as always we'll keep you updated so thanks for joining us be sure to check out foreverblueshirts.com for a bunch of new articles this week including uh new stuff by our writers natalina stuff by me and uh please don't forget me Yes, JL wrote a new piece. Read his new piece. It's awesome. So check out foreverblueshirts.com. You can follow me at Russell Hartman 1. You can follow JL at JL Shapiro 8. You can follow the podcast at 4B underscore radio. And as always, our main account at Forever Blue Shirts. Thank you so much for joining us, also, don't everyone. Forget Kevin, by the way. He'll be That's back. That's true. That's true. Kevin will be back, and he's at Space Earthbender, the weirdest handle out of all of us. <laughs> because Kevin Kirby so. 2 was taken. <laughs> <laughs> So again, guys, thank you for joining us. Have a great week, and let's go Rangers. 
The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap-Up.